Book One, Chapter Twelve of The Crossing by Winston Churchill. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve The Campaign Begins. Davy, take care of my Tom, cried Polly Ann. I can see her now, standing among the women by the great hewn gateposts with little Tom in her arms, holding him out to us as we filed by and the vision of his little round face haunted tom and me for many weary miles of our tramp through the wilderness i have often thought since that that march of the volunteer company to join clark at the falls of the ohio was a superb example of confidence in one man and scarce to be equalled in history in less than a week we of captain harrod's little company stood on a forest-clad bank gazing spellbound at the troubled waters of a mighty river that river was the ohio and it divided us from the strange north country whence the savages came from below the angry voice of the great falls cried out to us unceasingly smoke rose through the treetops of the island opposite and through the new gaps of its forest cabins could be seen and presently at a signal from us a big flatboat left its shore, swung out and circled on the polished current, and grounded at length in the mud below us. A dozen tall boatmen, buckskin clad, dropped the big oars and leaped out on the bank with a yell of greeting. At the head of them was a man of huge frame, and long, light hair falling down over the collar of his hunting shirt. He wrung Captain Harrod's hand that there's simon kitten davy said cowan as we stood watching them i ran forward for a better look at the backwoods hercules the tales of whose prowess had helped to while away many a winter's night at harrodstown station big-featured and stern yet he had the kindly eye of the most indomitable of frontier fighters and i doubted not the truth of what was said of him that he could kill any redskin hand to hand clark's there he was saying to captain harrod god knows what his pluck is he ain't said a word he doesn't say where he's going said harrod not a notion answered kenton he's the greatest man to keep his mouth shut i ever saw he kept at the governor of virginia till he gave him twelve hundred pounds in continentals and power to raise troops then clark fetched a circle for fort pitt raised some troops there and in virginia and some about redstone and come down the ohio here with em and a lot of flatboats now that you got here the kentucky boys is all in i come over with montgomery and dillard's here from the holston country with a company well said captain harrod i reckon we'll report i went among the first boatload and as the men strained against the current Kenton explained that Colonel Clark had brought a number of immigrants down the river with him, that he purposed to leave them on this island with a little force, that they might raise corn and provisions during the summer, and that he had called the place Corn Island. "'Sure, there's the Colonel himself,' cried Terence McCann, who was in the bow, and indeed I could pick out the familiar figure among the hundred frontiersmen that gathered among the stumps of the landing-place as our keels scraped they gave a shout that rattled in the forest behind them and clark came down to the water-side 
I knew that Harrodstown wouldn't fail me, he said, and called every man by name as we waded ashore. When I came splashing along after Tom, he pulled me from the water with his two hands. Colonel, said Terence McCann, we've brought you a drummer boy. We'd have no luck at all without him, said Cowan, and the men laughed. Can you walk a hundred miles without food, Davy? asked Colonel Clark, eyeing me gravely. Faith, he's lean as a wolf, and no stomach to hinder him, said Terence, seeing me look troubled. I'll not be missing the bit of food the likes of him would eat. And as for the heft of him, added Cowan, Mac and I'll not feel it. Colonel Clark laughed. Well, boys, he said, if you must have him, you must. His Excellency gave me no instructions about a drummer, but we'll take you, Davy. In those days he was a man that wasted no time, was Colonel Clark, and within the hour our little detachment had joined the others, felling trees and shaping the log-ends for the cabins. That night, as Tom and Cowan and McCann and James Ray lay around their fire, taking a well-earned rest, a man broke excitedly into the light with a kettle-shaped object balanced on his head, which he set down in front of us. The man proved to be Swin Polson, and the object a big drum, and he straightway began to beat upon it a tattoo with improvised drumsticks. A redstone man, he cried. A redstone man, he have it in the flatboat. It is for Tavy. The saints be good to us, said Terence, if it isn't the king's own drum he has. And sure enough, on the head of it gleamed the royal arms of England and on the other side, as we turned it over, the device of a regiment. They flung the sling about my neck, and the next day, when the little army drew up for parade among the stumps, there I was at the end of the line, and prouder than any man in the ranks, and Colonel Clark, coming to my end of the line, paused and smiled and patted me kindly on the cheek. "'Have you put this man on the roll, Harrod?' says he. No, Colonel, answers Captain Harrod, amid the laughter of the men at my end. What, says the Colonel, what an oversight. From this day he is drummer boy and orderly to the commander-in-chief. Beat the retreat, my man. I did my best, and as the men broke ranks they crowded around me, laughing and joking, and Cowan picked me up, drum and all, and carried me off, I rapping furiously the while. And so I became a kind of handy-boy for the whole regiment, from the colonel down, for I was willing and glad to work. I cooked the colonel's meals, roasting the turkey breasts and saddles of venison that the hunters brought in from the mainland, and even made him journey-cake, a trick which Polly Ann had taught me. And when I went about the island, if a man were loafing, he would seize his axe and cry, Here's Davy, you'll tell the colonel on me. Thanks to the joke of Terence McCann, I gained an owl-like reputation for wisdom amongst these superstitious backwoodsmen, and they came verily to believe that upon my existence depended the success of the campaign. But day after day passed, and no sign from Colonel Clark of his intentions. "'There's a good lad,' said Terence. "'He'll be telling us where we're going.' I was asked the same question by a score or more. But Colonel Clark kept his own counsel. 
he himself was everywhere during the days that followed superintending the work on the blockhouse we were building and eyeing the men rumor had it that he was sorting out the sheep from the goats silently choosing those who were to remain on the island and those who were to take part in the campaign at length the blockhouse stood finished amid the yellow stumps of the great trees the trunks of which were its walls and suddenly the order went forth for the men to draw up in front of it by companies with the families of the emigrants behind them it was a picture to fix itself in a boy's mind and one that i have never forgotten the line of backwoodsmen as fine a lot of men as i ever wished to see bronzed by the june sun strong and tireless as the wild animals of the forest stood expectant with rifles grounded and beside the tallest at the end of the line was a diminutive figure with a drum hung in front of it the early summer wind rustled in the forest and the never-ending song of the great falls sounded from afar apart square-shouldered and indomitable stood a young man of twenty-six my friends and neighbors he said in a firm voice there's scarce a man standing among you to-day who has not suffered at the hands of savages some of you have seen wives and children killed before your eyes or dragged into captivity none of you can to-day call the home for which he has risked so much his own and who i ask you is to blame for this hideous war whose goal is it that buys guns and powder and lead to send the shawnee and the iroquois and the algonquin on the warpath he paused and a hoarse murmur of anger ran along the ranks whose goal but george's by the grace of god king of great britain and ireland and what minions distributed abbott at kaskaskia for one and hamilton at detroit the hair buyer for another when he spoke hamilton's name his voice was nearly drowned by imprecations silence cried clark sternly and they were silent my friends the best way for a man to defend himself is to maim his enemy one year since when you did me the honor to choose me commander-in-chief of your militia in kentucky i sent two scouts to kaskaskia a dozen years ago the french owned that place and st vincent and detroit and the people there are still french my men brought back word that the french feared the long knives as the indians call us on the first of october i went to virginia and some of you thought again that i had deserted you i went to williamsburg and wrestled with governor patrick hendry and his council with mr jefferson and mr mason and mr white virginia had no troops to send us and her men were fighting barefoot with washington against the armies of the british king but the governor gave me twelve hundred pounds in paper and with it i've raised the little force that we have here and with it we will carry the war into hamilton's country on the swift waters of this great river which flows past us have come tidings to-day and god himself has sent them to-morrow would have been too late the ships and armies of the french king are on their way across the ocean to help us fight the tyrant and this is the news that we bear to the kaskaskias when they hear this the french of those towns will not fight against us 
my friends we're going to conquer an empire for liberty and i can look onwards he cried in a burst of inspired eloquence sweeping his arm to the northward towards the forest on the far side of the ohio i can look onward to the days when these lands will be filled with the cities of a great republic and who among you will falter at such a call there was a brief silence and then a shout went up from the ranks that drowned the noise of the falls and many fell into antics some throwing their coonskin hats in the air and others cursing and scalping hamilton in mockery while i pounded on the drum with all my might and when we had broken ranks the rumor was whispered about that the holston company had not cheered and indeed the rest of the day these men went about plainly morose and discontented some saying openly and with much justice though we failed to see it then that they had their own families and settlements to defend from the southern indians and chickamauga bandits and could not undertake kentucky's fight at that time and when the enthusiasm had burned away a little the disaffection spread and some even of the kentuckians began to murmur against clark for faith or genius was needful to inspire men to his plan one of the malcontents from boonesboro came to our fire to argue he's mad as a medicine man is clark to go into that country with less than two hundred rifles and he'll force us will he i'd as lief have the king for a master he brought every man in our circle to his feet ray mccann cowan and tom but tom was nearest and the words not coming easily to him he fell on the boonesboro man instead and they fought it out for ten minutes in the firelight with half the regiment around them at the end of it when the malcontents were carrying their champion away they were stopped suddenly at the sight of one bursting through the circle into the light and a hush fell upon the quarrel it was colonel clark are you hurt mcchesney he demanded i reckon not much colonel said tom grinning as he wiped his face if any man deserts this camp to-night cried colonel clark swinging around i swear by god to have him chased and brought back and punished as he deserves captain harrod set a guard i passed quickly over the rest of the incident how the holston men and some others escaped in the night in spite of our guard and swam the river on logs how at dawn we found them gone and kenton and harrod and brave captain montgomery set out in pursuit with cowan and tom and ray all day they rode relentless and the next evening returned with but eight weary and sullen fugitives of all those who had deserted the next day the sun rose on a smiling world the polished reaches of the river golden mirrors reflecting the forest's green and we were astir with the light preparing for our journey into the unknown country at seven we embarked by companies in the flatboats waving a farewell to those who were to be left behind some stayed through inclination and disaffection others because colonel clark did not deem them equal to the task but swen polson came with tears in his little blue eyes he had begged the colonel to take him and i remember him well on that june morning 
his red face perspiring under the white bristles of his hair as he strained at the big oar for we must needs pull a mile up the stream ere we could reach the passage in which to shoot downward to the falls suddenly polson dropped his handle causing the boat to swing round in the stream while the men damned him paying them no attention he stood pointing into the blinding disk of the sun across the edge of it a piece was bitten out in blackness my god he cried the world is being ended just now the holy saints remember us this day said mccann missing a stroke to cross himself will you pull you damned dutchman or we'll be the first to slide into hell this is no kind of a place at all at all by this time the men along the line of boats had seen it and many faltered clark's voice could be heard across the waters urging them to pull while the bows swept across the current they obeyed him but steadily the blackness ate out the light and a weird gloaming overspread the scene river and forest became stern the men silent the more ignorant were in fear of a cataclysm the others taking it for an omen shucks said tom when appealed to i've seen it afore and it come all right again clark's boat rounded the shoal next our turn came and then the whole line was gliding down the river the rising roar of the angry waters with which we were soon to grapple coming to us with an added grimness and now but a faint rim of light saved us from utter darkness big bill cowan undaunted in war stared at us with fright written on his face and what'll ye think of it davy he said i glanced at the figure of our commander in the boat ahead and took courage it's hamilton's scalp hanging by a lock i answered pointing to what was left of the sun soon it'll be off and then we'll have light again to my surprise he snatched me from the thwart and held me up with a shout and i saw colonel clark turn and look back davy says the hairbuyer scope hangs by the lock boys he shouted pointing at the sun the word was cried from boat to boat and we could see the men pointing upwards and laughing and then as the light began to grow we were in the midst of the tumbling waters the steersmen straining now right now left to keep the prows in the smooth reaches between rock and bar we gained the still pools below the sun came out once more and smiled on the landscape and the spirits of the men reviving burst all bounds thus i earned my reputation as a prophet four days and nights we rowed down the great river our oars double-manned for fear that our coming might be heralded to the french towns we made our first camp on a green little island at the mouth of the cherokee as we then called the tennessee and there i set about cooking a turkey for colonel clark which ray had shot chancing to look up i saw the colonel himself watching me how is this davy said he i hear that you've saved my army for me before we've met the enemy i did not know it sir i answered well said he if you have learned to turn an evil omen into a good sign you know more than some generals what ails you now there's a pirogue sir i cried staring and pointing 
where said he alert all at once here mcchesney take her crew and put out after them he had scarcely spoken ere tom and his men were rowing into the sunset the whole of our little army watching from the bank presently the other boat was seen coming back with ours and five strange woodsmen stepped ashore our men pressing around them but clark flew to the spot the men giving back who's the leader here he demanded a tall man stepped forward i am said he bewildered but defiant your name john duff he answered as though against his will your business hunters said duff and i reckon we're in our rights i'll judge of that said the colonel where are you from that's no secret neither kaskasky ten days gone at that there was a murmur of surprise from our companies clark turned get your men back he said to the captains who stood about them and all of them not moving get your men back i say i'll have it known who's in command here at that the men retired who commands at kaskaskia he demanded of duff monsieur rocheblave a frenchier holding a british commission said duff and the british governor abbott has left post st vincent and gone to detroit who be you he added suspiciously be you rebels colonel clark is my name and i'm in the service of the commonwealth of virginia duff uttered an exclamatory oath and his manner changed be you clark he said with respect and you're going after kaskasky well the military's prime and the engine scouts is keeping a good lookout but colonel i'll tell you something the frenches is eternal afeard of the long knives my god they've got the notion that if you catch em you'll burn and scalp em same as the red sticks good was all that clark answered i reckon i don't know much about what the rebels is fighting for said john duff but i like your looks colonel and wherever you're going there'll be a fight me and my boys would kind of like to go along clark did not answer at once but looked john duff and his men over carefully will you take the oath of allegiance to virginia and the continental congress he asked at length i reckon it won't pass on us said john duff hold up your hands said clark and they took the oath now my men said he you will be assigned to companies does any one among you know the old french trail from massacre to kaskaskia why exclaimed john duff why johnny sanders here can tread it in the dark like the road to the grog shop john sanders loose-limbed grinning sheepishly shuffled forward and clark shot a dozen questions at him one after another yes the trail had been blazed the lord knew how long ago by the french and given up when they left massacre look you said clark to him i'm not a man to stand trifling if there's any deception in this you'll be shot without mercy and good riddance said john duff boys we're rebels now steer clear of the hair buyer end of chapter twelve